and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. So hello everyone, welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm so happy you found your way here. I am your host, Leia, and welcome to this podcast where we talk all about the intersection of creativity and spirituality. I've had over 50 guests on that talk about all of their creative practices and disciplines, whether that's writing, singing, theater, art, dancing, drawing, spirituality, wellness, yoga, meditation, all of these different things that I am super passionate about and interested in and then love to share with you all and love to get you curious about and find some nuggets of inspiration within hearing about the stories and the journeys of others. So welcome to this podcast. And if you've listened to my last couple episodes, you'll know that I am currently traveling. So I'm currently on this nomadic adventure. I recently moved from my place in Connecticut where I was living with my partner and he moved off to go to college and I am taking some time off just traveling and really diving into being a nomad and seeing where that leads me. So I've spent the last month now in Mexico. By the time this episode comes out, I will have been in Puerto Escondido for two weeks, which is a little beach surfer town in Oaxaca in Mexico. And then before that, I was in Mexico City for two weeks. And I wanted to take today's episode to kind of just update you all on where I'm at and what this solo trip has been teaching me so far, because travel is part of my creative process travel is part of my spiritual practice and travel is really that opportunity for me to break free of my regular routines and really get to know myself and to get to know my soul and my intuition in a much deeper more present way and so i wanted to talk today just about the things that i've been learning throughout the last month in mexico and And also by the time this episode comes out, I will have already landed in a new country. And so I can't wait to update you on what that is and where that is, but we won't jump ahead of ourselves. And I just kind of want to update you on how the last month of traveling and solo traveling has been going. So first of all, I will say that I am traveling, so I'm not in my usual spot where I like to record these podcasts. So if the sound sounds off, if you hear passing cars or people talking or something else, just know that I'm doing my best. I really wanted to take this podcast on the road and take you all along with me. But of course, that means that sometimes that's not the prime audio. So I hope that it doesn't distract you too much but just know if you do hear any background noise, that's what that is. I'll try to edit out all the cars passing by that I can and see what I can do about that. But just, you know, doing what we can. So just to say that as a little disclaimer, but like I said, I'm currently in Puerto Escondido and if you haven't heard of it, it is this little town on the Pacific coast of Mexico 
and it's known, it's a famous surf break spot. So it's known for being the Mexican pipeline and there's this wave break here that gets really big and you know they have host competitions here and everything. But a lot of people come here to travel just to surf. And so I've been in this like very small, very hot. It's so hot and so humid here. Literally I'm sweating as we speak. I had to turn the fan off just so I could record this podcast and I am literally dripping sweat as I speak to you. So you'll get that nice visual there. And then, yeah, it's just like this little town I've been waking up and doing some stretching on the Palapa, which is like our little rooftop with a view of the ocean and doing some journaling and have been going to a cafe for breakfast to get green juice and do some more writing. And then at that point of the day, it's super hot. And so either I'll go to the beach and just like sit under an umbrella because it's too hot to be tanning. It's too hot to even put your feet on the sand. And and the water here is so warm. So even like when you take a dip in the water, while it is refreshing, it's also really warm. So you're just hot all the time. And then, you know, after a nice day at the beach, I love watching sunset on the beach every night. And at that, at that point, it does cool down a bit and then you can kind of get in the water and the sunsets here have just been really beautiful. So that's kind of like a typical day in the life of what I've been doing here in Puerto Escondido. But, you know, like I said before, travel is part of my creative process. Travel is part of my spiritual practice. And I've been solo traveling. I was reflecting on this the other day, but I've been solo traveling since I was 19 years old. And a little backstory is that I grew up with eight siblings. And when I was young, we didn't really travel. I didn't get on a plane, like an actual airplane, until I was 16 years old because because I had so many siblings and we had a family of 10, it was hard to buy plane tickets. And so we would travel by car or really by van, but we didn't really fly on planes. And when I was little, I always wanted to get on a plane and thought that like flying was, was so dreamy and magical. And so when I was 16, I got on my first plane ride and I didn't go out of the country until I was 19. And the first country I ever went to was Israel on birthright. And the only reason I was able to go is because it was free. And so that was what started me actually traveling, even though I always wanted to, I just didn't have the resources to. And so that first trip when I was 19, going to Israel really just like confirmed my love for traveling and visiting other places. So since then I've been to over 15 countries and all but three of those countries were by myself. So a couple of the places that I've been is Italy, Germany, Austria, Portugal, the whole UK. So England, Scotland, Ireland, and then I've been to India, Bali, Thailand. And so when I was reflecting earlier today, I was thinking about how the solo trips that I've taken have really impacted and changed my life in some way. And I can think of you know, there were two big solo trips that I've been on and this is the third where, and I've taken like smaller solo trips where I've gone to London for five days or like I went to Edinburgh, Scotland for like a weekend. So I've done these like shorter travel trips, which I don't really consider as, you know, these like deep spiritual journeys. They're just kind of like a quickie one and done. Um, but I've gone on like these two soul searching trips and this is now the third and so the first trip that i went on was 
When I was in between my sophomore and junior year of college, I went to study abroad in Italy for the summer. So I went to Italy and did a month-long Commedia dell'arte program. And if you don't know what Commedia dell'arte is, it's this style of theater that was created by the Italians in like the 1500s and it's really expressive and you wear masks and there's these like archetypal characters that you play. So it's a really strange but interesting art form. So I went and studied Commedia dell'arte for a month and then after that, I wanted to stay longer. So I au paired for six weeks in Northern Italy. And au pairing is basically like nannying. So you basically live with a family and you teach their children English or babysit or kind of do fun things with the family. So I was in Italy for like two and a half months. That was the first big solo trip. And that was like, I remember that teaching me so much just about independence and getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and feeling really uncomfortable, but really finding like magic within that. Because I was also, I was living with this like Italian family and just felt really out of my comfort zone. And it was an interesting time. So that was kind of my first experience on like an extended solo trip. And then the second extended solo trip I went on that was really deeply healing and transformative was in the fall of 2019. So about two years ago, so exactly two years ago, actually, I went to India, Bali and Thailand. And so I've talked about that trip a couple times on this podcast because it really was the catalyst for everything. I had just quit my job. I didn't have a place to live. I wanted to go get my yoga teacher training in India. And so I went off to India and then was in Bali for a month by myself and then in Thailand for a couple weeks too. And so I was thinking about that trip and it's interesting that that trip happened exactly two years ago. And, you know, what has happened in between that trip and now, you know, the entire pandemic. So I went abroad fall of 2019. I remember too, actually, I remember when I was coming back from Thailand in December, when I landed in JFK, there were signs everywhere saying like, have you traveled recently to Wuhan, China? Like if you have, you know, just like, I guess, I guess tell them, but you know, I hadn't even heard anything about the coronavirus yet. So that's a little besides the point, but I was thinking about what my trip two years ago taught me. And I think about that trip often because I really do think that 2020 and everything that happened in 2020 would have looked a lot different for me had I not taken that trip. I kind of feel like that trip prepared me for the fear and the anxiety and the fear of the unknown with that with that trip. Like I kind of faced those things in 2019 so that when we were experiencing them in a global sense, within the global collective in 2020, I actually felt like I had already learned those lessons so they weren't affecting me as deeply. For example, like so in 2019, when I was in India, um, and this was before coronavirus was even a thing, before we had even heard of it, I remember I had this like irrational, I say irrational, even though it wasn't even irrational, but I had this very intensified fear of getting sick in India and specifically getting dengue fever. So I, I also will say that before I went to India, so many different people were like, you know, you tell them you're going to India and the first thing they say is like, oh, my friend went and got so sick. They had to be hospitalized and like they were so sick. Like, don't eat anything in India. 
which is, you know, not great advice when you're about to go to India. And so I remember so many people were telling me that. And so I had this fear of like being alone in India, needing to go to a hospital and like, what would that feel like? How would that be? And luckily I did not get sick. Spoiler alert, I did not get sick in India. Did not have to go to the hospital. I was doing a yoga teacher training and a couple people did actually have to go to the hospital. One guy, he ate a mango off the street, which you shouldn't eat fruit off the street unless you like wash it really well and peel it. Like if you can peel the fruit, then it's probably safe to eat. But if you haven't peeled it, so he ate a mango, but not he ate a mango off the street without washing it. But not only did he not wash it, he ate the skin of the mango. And we were like, why did you eat the skin of the mango? And he was like, I thought that's just how you ate mangoes. We were like, no, dude. So he had eaten an entire mango off the street, skin and all, and he had gotten really sick and had to be hospitalized, but he was fine. But regardless of stomach issues, deli belly as they call it, I was terrified of getting dengue fever. And dengue fever is a disease transferred by mosquitoes. And so if you've ever been to India or if you've ever been anywhere in the tropics, then you know that mosquitoes are extremely hard to avoid. And I had this like fear, just like insidious in my mind of getting dengue fever. Because if you get dengue fever, it's like a really bad disease and you know, you might be bedridden for a couple weeks, but generally you recover. But I think if you get dengue fever twice, then you could potentially die. Like it could turn really bad. And I had heard all these horror stories and I had met a girl in a cafe who looked like super ill and she was kind of striking up a conversation and we were telling her that we were studying at the yoga school and she was like, oh, I was there last month and then I was supposed to leave, but I got dengue fever and had, like I couldn't fly, I was too weak to fly. So I've just been here like riding out my dengue fever. And when I heard that, I was like just terrified because I didn't want that to happen to me. And, you know, I had these plans to go to Bali afterward. And I was like, what if all my plans are ruined because, you know, I get this dengue fever. And so I started to get really, really particular about wearing tons of mosquito repellent. I was wearing this like all natural mosquito repellent. I would spray it every class. But, you know, I couldn't control the amount of mosquitoes that were going to come into our spaces. I mean, they were literally everywhere. You could not avoid them. You know, we would leave the windows open in class because it was so hot. Mosquitoes would come in. And then when you're sleeping at night, mosquitoes would come in and bite you. So, like, I would wake up every day with, like, 40 mosquito bites. And thankfully, I never got dengue fever. But this taught me a lot about releasing control and, like, releasing things that I had no control over like i had no control over whether or not mosquitoes would bite me in my sleep right i had no control over that and so i was i was fearful and trying to prevent this thing from happening that i thought might happen and that i had seen others that it had happened to but truly i had no control over it and so it was really a lesson in like just letting go of control and trusting and and even if worse came to worse and i did get sick and i did have to go to the hospital that you know i would be okay right i would be okay and i would deal with that when it comes so dealing with that fear of getting sick really did prepare me for 2020 when you know there was so much fear around getting sick in the collective and i because i had already learned those lessons through that trip 
I, and of course I did experience fear on some level, but not on the level that I was seeing others experience it because I, I'd kind of already learned that, you know, getting sick was out of my control. And even if I wore all the masks and did all the things, like I knew that I was going to be okay. And I don't know if you guys have had coronavirus. I did end up getting it in January actually of 2021. Um, I actually got it from the midwife who delivered my sister's baby on Christmas day. So my sister had my nephew on Christmas day, 2020, and she had a home birth. And so I was there at her house in her apartment in New York city and two midwives came and helped deliver the baby. And two days later, one of the midwives tested positive for coronavirus. And then I stayed in New York for another two weeks quarantining. I got tested. I was negative. And then I came back to Connecticut and got really sick. So I was sick for like about five days. But luckily, mine was a mild case and I never had to go to the hospital or anything. Fully recovered. So just, you know, wanted to, to add that in and also send love to anyone who didn't have that experience. And I know that I'm so lucky and grateful for the experience that I did have and just wanted to send love and healing for anyone who is experiencing otherwise. But all of that is to say that not only did I deal with the fear of getting sick, but I also dealt with a lot of the fear of the unknown during that trip in 2019. Because I had, like I said, I had left my job, I had left my home, I had left my partner, I had left the community and family that I had cultivated in Connecticut and I was leaving it for something new and I didn't know what that new thing was going to be. You know, during that trip, when I was going to come back, I didn't know where I was going to be living, where I was going to be working. I just had to fully trust that it would all work out. And long story short, it did. I came back. I got my job in theater that kept me afloat during the pandemic that I was able to work online for for over a year. And I got my job teaching yoga at the studio that I worked then for th throughout the year and taught creativity circles at. I hosted my first creativity circle in New York City and was able to live there for a couple months before moving back to Connecticut for the pandemic. But all of this to say is that that trip really just taught me that like when you do the inner work, when you follow your soul and your soul's guidance, your soul is always going to lead you into your most aligned path, which is always the path of flow and ease. And that's not to say that there won't be challenging moments throughout. Of course, there are always challenging moments, but truly like I'm so grateful that I went on that trip in 2019 when I did, because I remember a lot of people were pressuring me to wait. My family, friends, they were saying like, oh, wait. And I, and I even had the thought of waiting in, to go until January, 2020. So I would have been there in like March, 2020, which would have been horrible. And I did have a friend actually who was at that yoga studio in India in March, 2020. And her stories are just horrifying. Getting locked down in India, all her flights were canceled. She had to book a new flight. She had to travel for two days. She flew to Paris. She had to sleep in the Paris airport because they wouldn't let her out of the airport because everything was crazy at that time. And so 
that was really just a huge lesson in trusting and trusting my intuition over anyone else's because I'm so glad I went on that trip when I did and I'm so glad I did not wait because that was truly maybe my last opportunity to fly to Bali or to India for at least a while. And so that brings me to fast forward two years to present day and here I am recording this episode for you all in Mexico. And I, I'm finding a lot of parallels between the trip that I took two years ago and the trip that I'm on now. But like I said, the difference is the last two years that we've gone through have just been unprecedented to use their term and really things that we couldn't have imagined ever happening is happening now. And we're in this global crisis and I think the ways in which 2020 has affected us, both individually and collectively, I think will change us for years to come. I will notice, I will say that I've, I've noticed a couple different changes within me as a result of 2020, of slowing down, of going inward, of being at home, of not having my usual support systems, of not having my usual distractions. I will say that I am a changed person. And so now being on this trip has really showed me the ways in which I've changed. So an example I'll give is that, so I took my first in-person yoga class since the, before the pandemic the other day. And it was so interesting coming back to a yoga practice, coming back to a yoga class in person. And I've still been practicing yoga on my own, but it's just different when you're in an in-person class. You know, you have that community, you have a teacher telling you what to do, you're there for a set amount of time. You know, when I usually practice on my own, I practice for like 20 minutes. I never usually do a full hour on my own. So being in a room where you're there for the full hour and you're just present and showing up for the practice. So I was actually really avoiding my first in-person yoga class because I was scared. I was scared of how my body has changed throughout the pandemic. I was scared of how, you know, maybe moves and poses that I could have done before were harder for me now. I was just kind of worried about my body. I, I wasn't trusting my body as, as it was when I was practicing, you know, daily back in the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. And so I've been kind of avoiding going into my in-person class, my first in-person class. I had opportunities to go in Mexico City, but I just wasn't feeling it. And so finally I went to an in-person yoga class in Puerto and I learned so much being in that class because I was able to meet myself on the mat, the person that I am today and the person that I the not the person that I am was two years ago. And it really highlighted the differences for me. So one thing I noticed is that I was much more comfortable going at my own pace. So, you know, in yoga, how the idea is, is to really meet yourself where you're at. And teachers will say, like, sometimes teachers will say, and I, and I love when teachers do say this, and not, and not all of them say this, but I've, I've heard this in classes, and I'm sure you have too, where some teachers will say, like, every pose, you know, that we take, that I take you through today is simply a suggestion. Like, listen to your body first and foremost. If you want to spend the whole class in child's pose, you're more than welcome to do so. Like, go at your own pace. And even though I've heard these things in classes before, and you know, if that teacher does give you that permission slip to be in child's pose the whole class, 
how many times in my life have I actually taken that advice and listened to my body and sat in child's pose instead of pushing myself a little further in um, trying to do chaturanga or any of those things? If I'm being 100% honest with you, I will say that in yoga classes previously, definitely pre-pandemic, I would have a tendency to push my body, push my body past its limits instead of listening to her and allowing her to slow down and allowing her to sit in child's pose if the whole class is in downward dog and I'm in child's pose. And so, and it's funny too, because it's like even in the classes that I've been, you never really see someone outside of the group like doing their own thing in the yoga class like usually they're participating they're going at the teacher's pace and all of those things but so in this class that i was taking the teacher was taking us through some salutations and he was going really fast and i've developed a practice now that is super slow and super nourishing and i like to take my time getting into the poses and i don't like to rush at all and this teacher was was cueing the breaths at a super rushed pace. And I had this moment with myself where I realized like, this is my body. This is my practice. This teacher is going off the cues of maybe other people in class or their own practice, but that's for them. That's for their body. That's for their practice. And if I try to go at the pace of the teacher, and my body suffers, who suffers? Not the teacher, my body. Like I am the one who has to live in this body. And so out of deep respect and reverence for my body, I am going to go at my own pace and I'm not going to feel judged by anyone else. I'm not gonna feel that pressure to, to catch up with the rest of the group. I'm not gonna feel rushed just because everyone else is flowing together and I'm the only one that's kind of out of pace. I really had this moment where I no longer cared about that. And I really just wanted to be at my own body's pace, even though everyone else around me was at a different pace than my own. So that was like a huge revelation for me because I didn't realize how much previously I had been pushing myself and had been trying to go at the pace of others rather than going at my own pace and fully trusting my own pace. So I think something the last two years has taught me is really that it's okay to go at my own pace and that this is the body that I get to live in. This is the body that I get to be in. And I have to take care of her and I have to go at her pace because if I push her past the limits, who's going to suffer the consequences? Me. And if you are if you are a practicing yogi or if you've ever taken yoga classes, you'll know that injury is very prevalent in yoga, especially when you're pushing yourself and when you're not listening to your body. And I've had this like wrist injury for the past couple years. Um, I have like a weaker right wrist and so it's been harder for me to do poses that I used to love to do like wheel pose. I used to love going into wheel pose, but now that puts a lot of pressure on my wrist. And so even the teacher suggested, you know, we could do bridge variation and wheel poses. And I was like, I'm not even going to attempt to do wheel pose right now because I know that, you know, that's not right for my body right now. And I know previously I probably would have like kind of disregarded that and tried to do it anyways and just tried to push my body past its limits. So taking that yoga class was a huge eye-opener for me and really taught me the importance of having a practice and what a practice can teach us. And I feel like on this podcast, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I love 
talking about a daily creative practice, talking about to different people about what their practice is and what their practice looks like. And I really do think that having a practice is so beautiful because it can really highlight these nuances and differences in the ways that you've changed, in the ways that you've grown and evolved. And, you know, I, I kind of have like a contradictory belief about these two ideas. So one is I think having a consistent practice is so beautiful because if you do the same thing day after day consistently, instead of it changing you, you notice how you change it. You notice how you show up differently. Every day you're different, right? Um, it's funny, I'm like staying on this beach in Puerto and there's this beach which is known for having one of the biggest surf breaks in the world. And it's so interesting to me how the ocean is different every single day. Like no one day is the same as the one yesterday. Every day the waves are different. Some, sometimes they're huge. The other day they were like soft and quiet and you could actually swim in the beach when usually it's too dangerous to swim. So it's just fascinating to me how it's the same place, it's the same break, it's the same ocean, but the waves are completely different every single day. And it's teaching me too about like when we come back to a practice that maybe we haven't touched in a while. So for me, it's it's a yoga practice. It's an in-person yoga practice. And so even though I haven't had a daily yoga practice in the last two years, it's been more of like a when I feel like it type practice, which sometimes is a couple times a week, which is sometimes once a month. Um, it really just depends and varies. But Having that practice to come back to, I could just notice the ways in which I was different, which I think is the whole point of having a practice, right? We talk about creative practices, spiritual practices. Of course, I believe creative practices and spiritual practices are one and the same. And so whether that's yoga or writing or painting or anything else that you do that you consistently show up for, that you consistently meet yourself in the moment at, that you allow yourself to meet yourself in the moment can be really powerful in just how much you've grown and changed and giving yourself grace for the lessons that you've learned and how you've overcome those and navigated the challenges that you faced over the last two years or over the course of your life or whatever that is. So there's my yoga lesson learning for you. And then the second thing that I wanted to talk about was perspective and I think Travel, you know, one of the reasons travel is so amazing and why people love to do it is because it truly takes you out of your regular life and puts you in a foreign, unknown environment, which does a couple things, right? One, it makes you more present because when you're taken out of like the routine of your everyday and you're out in a new environment, your senses are more alert, your senses are heightened. And so you tend to be more present. You tend to notice things that you normally wouldn't notice uh, when you're in a foreign environment and you're seeing new foods and flavors and different people and the way that they're talking and dressing and interacting, you know, you automatically notice those differences because your brain has been trained to think in one way and and suddenly you're seeing that there's a different way to be, a different way to live, a different way to eat, a different way to experience life. And so 
one of the beautiful things about travel is that it does introduce you to different ideas and different perspectives and it allows you to widen and broaden your own perspective. And so this is something that I've always known and you hear it and in the ways that people talk about travel. But I went a layer deeper this past week and I wanted to share this revelation with you because I think it's a little bit maybe out there for some, but it it just gave me this like deeper understanding of the way that human minds work and the way that realities work. And so lately I've been thinking about, and I think over the last two years too, as, as we've been kind of going through this global crisis and there's been a lot of different polarizing viewpoints about the way that people look at different things. And that's been something that's been really challenging me for me to understand because I am someone who really seeks the truth and who seeks to understand and empathize with all people. And I am confused sometimes when the truth is something that's debatable. And I've seen this past year, these past two years that people really have different ideas about the truth. And, you know, for me, I thought the truth was like one thing, there's one truth. But as we've seen the past couple years, people really have different ideas about the truth. And people really hold on to their ideas about the truth. And I found myself getting caught up within the polarities of of those truths and wondering which one is the right one. Because in my mind, I'm like, there has to be a truth and you know if one person believes this and the other person believes the complete opposite of that then like which one is the truth is someone lying does someone not know like just feeling just questioning a lot of things about the truth and that was a big theme for me that came up in 2020 of like how do we discern the truth for ourselves um how do we discern what is truth when there's so much misinformation there's so many different opinions and perspectives and beliefs and ideas floating around that completely contradict each other and so like how do we know what is real and what is true and so that's been a big question that's been you know just kind of digesting within me over these past couple years and so in in thinking of the truth and thinking of our realities and the realities that we live in i was realizing that we all have our own constructed realities. So the people that we are, the environment that we've lived in, the relationships that we have, the jobs that we have, the things that we do, all of the things that kind of make up who we are and who make up our life and who make up our reality, like that reality is constructed in our own minds. I mean, it's real. It's real because we're living it. It's real because we're experiencing it. But your world and like the idea of your world can look so vastly different than someone living in Iceland or someone living in Tunisia. What they, what their world looks like, what their environment looks like, how they grew up, their relationships, those can be so vastly different. And so something I'm learning about travel is that like as human beings, we have kind of constructed these realities around us, right? Of like who we are. And I noticed that as I'm spending a lot of time alone, I'm really kind of 
investigating this constructed reality that I have for myself and kind of observing my thoughts. And a lot of the things I think about are like my relationships, my family, my partner, my friends, my communities, my work and my career and wondering like, where am I going in my career and how I want to create all these, all these things and how will I do all of this and what's going to happen when I get back home? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? So all of these like things that are in my reality that are, you know, swirling within me. And I can see that I'm like in my own mind, like in my reality. And I look up and I look out, you know, in front of me and I, and I come back to the present moment and I see what's right in front of me. And what do I see? I see the ocean. I see people on the beach. I see dogs running around. I see children selling things on the beach. I see people working at like boat tours and surfers going to surf and children playing in the waves and just humanity and people that are living in an entirely different reality than my own. So it's like this mind blowing thing because, you know, I think that my reality is reality. And then I look around me and I see that my reality is only the constructed reality that I live in and other people live in their own realities. They have their own things going on. What matters to me and what matters to them might be completely different. And of course, we're all human. And I really do think that like, because we are all human, we, you know, our scenarios might look very different, but the feeling and the emotions and the wants and the needs and the desires and the core of who we are are the same. And that's why we can relate to each other. That's why we can understand each other because if I'm feeling lonely over a specific situation, even though you have not experienced that specific situation, you have experienced loneliness before and you have, you know, known times in your life when you've met that feeling of discomfort and of loneliness. So that's what I love about humanity, that we can really connect and relate to each other in this way. But what I mean and what I'm trying to say with all this is that like, get out of your own mind, get out of your own reality, because your reality, you know, is, is your reality for a reason, but it's not the truth. And the truth is out beyond what you've created in your own mind, what you've beyond what you've created in your own reality. And I mean, if you had told me these concepts like a couple years ago, I would have been like, what, what are you talking about? But I'm now at this like deeper layer and this deeper level of understanding of what are the realities that we construct for ourselves and you know, how do we kind of break free from that constructed reality from the prison of our own minds? And how do we then create the realities that we want to create for ourselves? I think all of this to say actually gives you the power back because when you realize that the world that you live in is simply just a constructed reality that you've created, then you realize that you have the power to create a different reality and you have the power to create a different life than the one that you might be living. And so I actually find this level of, of understanding really empowering because so many people are living so many different types of lives and what you worry about is not necessarily what they worry about. They worry about a whole different host of things and you really get to choose how you want to live your life. This is also a little 
I don't know if it's unrelated, but another memory came up to me, which, which has me really thinking about the power of meaning and how we make meaning in our lives and how what can mean everything to you, like what you deem as important and meaningful above all else could mean potentially nothing to your neighbor, which I find such an interesting concept. I realized this because I was on, on one of my last days in Mexico City. I went to go see the pyramids of Teotihuacan. So if you don't know what the pyramids of Teotihuacan are, I'll share with you. So basically, Mexico City was originally founded by the Aztecs. And the Aztecs are called the Aztecs because they came from a place called Aztlan. And no one knows to this day where Aztlan is. Like no one has been able to find it. They have no idea where the Aztecs actually came from. But the Aztecs came to Mexico City and at the time, it was a lake. It was a huge lake, you know, with a little bit of land. And they wanted to create land on top of this lake. So they actually man-made like an island on this lake that they packed with sand. And the Aztecs ruled their empire for thousands of years. And they had one of the biggest civilizations, one of the biggest human civilizations that we know in history. And they built these pyramids. They had, you know, these this whole city structure. And the remnants of these pyramids are still you can still go to these sites today they're called the pyramids of teotihuacan and they were found in 1906 and the conquistadors when they came in the 1500s i think to conquer mexico modern day mexico they didn't find this place because they didn't destroy them they didn't build any churches there and so this discovery was made in 1906 and this site had been like covered in greenery and foliage, just overgrowth because nobody, they, they had abandoned the site many years ago. Nobody knows why they abandoned the site, but they think that they just like ended up kind of a mass migration out over a couple hundred years. And so it ended up being an abandoned site. So anyways, I went on this tour. I'm telling you all this history about Teotihuacan and I'm not even what the point I'm trying to get to is not even about the pyramids but I did this tour where we go to the pyramids and then we also went to the Basilica of Guadalupe which is a church that houses Guadalupe and so you know I wanted to go see the pyramids the Basilica thing was just like an it was included in the tour so I didn't really think much of it so I went to the pyramids it was great I learned a lot of history and then we went to this church and so our tour guide is telling us that Guadalupe and the Virgin of Guadalupe is this major symbol for people in Mexico and for people all over Latin America because there's this story where uh, Guadalupe appeared to a man and they basically revere Guadalupe kind of as like uh, Mother Mary and there's this original photograph this original tapestry of Guadalupe and they have the original in this church. They've built this incredible church to house Guadalupe. They have services every hour and people make pilgrimages and meccas all over Latin America and all over the world to see this specific painting, to feel their mother, to feel Guadalupe. And I was at this church and to me, it was just a picture. And I, and I don't want to sound like disrespectful because I'm not 
disrespecting at all. But honestly, to me and my experience, this picture, this story, this cultural significance meant nothing to me because it's not part of my culture. It's not part of my religion. It's not part of my meaning, the way that I've made meaning in the world based off my environment, based off my family, based off my culture, based off the places and the customs that I've grown up in. But even though that's been my experience, that's not been the experience for many others. Like the fact that people travel all over the world to see this specific painting. And when I was there, I saw grown men like on their knees crying and praying. And it was just such an interesting experience to witness because it just made me think about how meaning is so subjective in, in our human nature and our human reality and how what can mean everything to you can mean nothing to someone else. And I just find that to be so fascinating, such a fascinating aspect of the human experience because on one hand, I kind of wish that we all had the same symbols and cultures that meant something to us, that we could all come together under a shared vision of, of what really matters in life. Um, but you know, just the way that religion is, the way that, the way that culture is set up, the things that we value and the things that we don't really just varies from country to country and people to people. And so it was really just a fascinating experience in realizing that like our constructed realities and the ways that we make meaning are completely up to us or completely up to the societies that we grew up in, but they're not the ultimate truth. And they're not the ultimate way, because if they were the ultimate truth and the ultimate way, then wouldn't we all agree? So those are some big like philosophical thoughts that I've been having and that this trip has really been teaching me about, about just perspective in a different way of, of what is perspective and what is truth and how do we come to our truth and how do we come to our meaning and our truth, even when people around us have a different meaning and a different truth. I think that's been a really interesting thing to explore these past couple years that, you know, your neighbor might have a completely different reality, a completely different truth than you, and that's okay. And, and how can we live with all of these different realities, all of these different truths and allow it to bring us together rather than tear us apart. And I think in the world right now, as we're seeing so much polarity and so much divisiveness and so much fighting and so much, you know, you believe this, but I believe this and you see it this way, but I see it this way. And like, how can we come together and, and kind of bring together all perspectives and bring to, together all truths. So that's what's on my mind right now. Let me know if you, if you know, these ideas are things that you've thought about or things that you deal with, or if this is just totally like not your thing. If it, if you've, if it's not your thing and you've made it all the way to the end, then I applaud you. Um, and thank you for kind of being here and just getting a little insight into my reality and into my truth, because these are things and questions that plague me and that keep me up at night. But you know, you might not even be thinking about them, which is like in a way hilarious and also beautiful because that's just, that's the nature of humanity. That's how we are, right? What, what matters to me and what I worry about and what I think about might not even be a thought in your mind. And so that's what's so beautiful about just the ways in which we are different and the ways in which that 
we choose to live our lives. So that's that. Thank you for being here. We'll have another interview next week. And then also by the time this comes out, I will have landed in a new country. And so I'm excited to update you guys about that and you know, just kind of experience a totally different way of life and a different culture and experience and explore a country that I've never been to before. So really excited about that, really excited to update you all. And again, thank you so much for being here. If you do like this show and if you've been listening for a while and you have not yet taken the chance to rate and review, I would seriously be so grateful if you could just take a couple moments to rate it on Apple Podcasts and write a short review. It really helps in the show's visibility and getting it to people and and listeners that need to hear that need to hear it. So thank you for your support on that and just sending you all so much love. I will catch you all next week with another interview and hope you are staying inspired and creative and keep shining your creative soul.